What's up, listeners? My name is Ken Weatherford. Welcome to Laugh at the Darkness, a podcast full of stories of goodness, light, laughter, and love, brought to you by beerandhymns.com. Each month, we'll share a drink or two with nonprofit leaders, band members, songwriters, and everyday people doing awesome stuff to make the world a better place. So we invite you to kick back and relax with your favorite beverage or simply go for a walk as we laugh at the darkness together. Special heads up this month before we dive into our interviews, we had a chance to speak with folks from the Children's Advocacy Center of Benton County. The Children's Advocacy Center works with children who have been abused in all kinds of ways. And while we don't dive into any very specific stories, we do know that that might be a trigger for some listeners. So be advised, and we do hope you enjoy this amazing episode. Hey, uh, we're sitting down today with Holly Clark, the executive director. No, I am the event coordinator. Event coordinator, just kidding. Yes. Holly Clark, the event coordinator over at the CAC, the Children's Advocacy Advocacy Center of Benton County. Uh, And uh, we're so, so glad to have you joining us today. Thank you for, for, for sitting in with us. Thrilled, Ken, to be able to be here and share. Big time. Uh, We're glad to have you. About the CAC. We, um, you know, I don't know how much you know personally about the CAC. Um, The Children's Advocacy Center of Benton County will celebrate our 22nd birthday in January. 22nd. All right. 22nd. 99? 2000. 2000, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, 2000. We opened uh, in 2000. Our founders uh, were David and Beverly Engel, and we have a a long-term women's shelter in Little Flock, Arkansas, called Restoration Village. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. And they were meeting the needs of moms, uh, you know, battered women, uh, and their children. And as they were meeting the needs of the moms, they realized, you know, we're really not serving these children the way that we need to. Right. And so the Children's Advocacy Center was birthed out of Restoration Village. And so, you know, do you know anything about the CAC at this point? Um, I mean, I, I know a little bit, mostly though, um, I've been to a few of like the soup nights. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we used, my wife and I used to live in Little Rock, and okay. uh, one of our friends there, Brian, and I keep forgetting his last name as I keep trying to tell this story. <laughs> Brian, if you're listening, I'm so sorry, but um, and uh, but he he helped really organize that big one there in Little mm-hmm. Rock every year, and so he gave us tickets one time and and got to do that, and we we went to one as well that was here at the convention center, um, that kind of thing. But but that's been about the I mean. And, and it's weird though too because Beer and Hems has been approached. I don't think anybody directly associated with the organization, but people who care about it, mm-hmm. multiple times over the last four four years or so since we've been raising money. Hey, you guys should do uh, CAC, the Children's Advocacy Center. Um, you, you really should check them out. They're great. They're great. Um, I'm thinking of Dr. Susan uh, Miller in, in particular. Um, I know that she she has mentioned y'all many times and is a big supporter, but. Um, but yeah, uh, so we're just super glad to finally uh, to have you all here. And, and on I know it was on short notice, and so but I'm really glad that worked out big time. Oh, we are too. We're looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun night next week. Oh, for sure. For yes. sure. Yes. I just hope the weather holds, holds just, to stay, stay just a little bit warm for us, right? Just a little bit. But, you know, there's a lot to be said about sitting all bundled up. and There is, but I'm, I'm the one playing a guitar and, and making my That's fingers true. bleed. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Well, there are, there are children's advocacy centers all over the state. Yeah. Um, and I, I believe our count is 17. Um, we serve the Children's Advocacy Center 
of Benton County serves only children in Benton County. Right. Okay. Um, and so far this year to date, we have already seen um, 791 children who've walked through our doors. Already this year? Already this wow. year. We, we like to say we live in what's called the Bentonville bubble. We live in a phenomenal community, growing community, um, very loving, kind, um, great place to live. And people tend to think, oh, that doesn't happen here. Every stat holds true in our county. Yes. Um, childhood, like malnutrition and everything. We're, we're, we're ranked among the worst in the state. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. Exactly. We saw in 2020, even with the pandemic, we saw 970 children. And we believe that that number would have even been larger. Um, sadly, it would have been larger. But children, once they were removed from school, a lot of these kids were removed from where they are with mandated reporters every day. Right. Yep. They're with teachers. They're with counselors. They're with people who see when abuse is taking place. And they're trained to, to spot it as well. And, exactly. And all right. Yeah. So children being removed from their <clears throat> home, you know, from their school, from these visible places, we think we probably would have seen more than 970 children in 2020. How many do you see on average non pre pandemic times? Let's say yeah. in uh, 2019, we saw 1,007. Okay. And the numbers have gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of stress has brought on more child abuse. Yeah. Um, people being stuck at home, quarantined. Um, that has brought a lot, you know, brought up more child abuse. Um, that has truly affected the way, uh, you know, I feel like I'm rambling here, but that has really affected um, the care of some children at home. Certainly. Well, I mean, it's, I, I remember having many conversations with uh, a few friends. We, we formed a pod with, with some friends here locally and uh, to, to kind of help us through it as adults and kids. Um, we've all got young kids between you know, ages three and eight, uh, well, turning nine, some of them this month. But, um, and we, we described that whole time as a, as a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. If there's pra- cracks in a pressure cooker, they really get exposed when you turn it on. Absolutely. And, and we really turned on the pressure cooker these past couple of years. Uh, and, and that's across the board. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, everybody felt that stress in some way. Uh, some of us were riding in different boats than others, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but but we all felt that pressure these past couple of years, and, and some of us still do, for that matter. And if history repeats itself, you know, we've seen 791 and sitting at, what, November the 8th. If history repeats itself, holidays are a pressure cooker. Oh, yeah. And so we will see a rise in cases throughout the holidays. And we at the CAC, we have Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 hours posted on our doors, but we are a 24-hour facility. Child abuse doesn't happen during business hours. No. Child abuse happens anytime, day or night. And I was looking at some of our statistics, and I believe that it was 23, I apologize, 13% of our cases uh, are typically seen after hours. And the others, I'm guessing, are not, they're happening most likely. More of them are happening after hours, but you, you find out about them during... During school day. hours. During school um, hours, they get reported. Mm-hmm. We have 
We have uh, five major components um, at the CAC. And um, first of all, staggering, staggering statistic that always makes me sick to even think about it is one in three girls and one in five boys will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday. One in three girls one and in one three in five girls boys. And one in five boys will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday. Isn't now is that stat is that a nationwide stat or is that true specifically to our county? That's a nationwide um, stat. Nationwide stat, yeah, yeah. Nationwide yeah. stat, and I mean. But I, I I read even on your own website, Arkansas is leading. Uh, <laughs> it's not an it's area. It's not. We it's want not what you in. don't want to be leading in that, right? Exactly. But, but we're leading the nation in child abuse. I mean, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, yeah, oh, it's staggering, man. and we don't we don't want to think about it, but we really have to. I mean, we say all the time, our goal is to work ourselves out of a job. Yeah. We would love to not have to have our jobs. Yes, to Amen. to eliminate yeah. child abuse. But until it happens, we're going to work to empower as many kids as we can to find their voice, and to be strong enough to come in and share their story and to help them through the healing process mm-hmm. and help them to change. Their, their course and path in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very, it, it's, it's hard for these kids. And the CAC, one of the reasons we were established is it used to be when a child would report, there'd be an allegation and they would report child abuse. On average, they would have to tell their story 15 times. They might have to tell a teacher. Then that teacher say, says, okay, well, let's go tell a counselor. So they would go tell a counselor. Then they might have to tell a principal. Then they might have to tell a school officer. then a police officer, then maybe go to the police station, tell their story again, so forth and so on, going through prosecution. On average, they would have to tell their story 15 times. So you think about that, that child is re-victimized 15 times. Amen to that. They they definitively are. uh, I don't want to go too far into my own stories because I I was not abused sexually or, or any of those things. But I did have multiple little traumas as a child that informed a, a trauma that I had uh, as an adult. Um, and I've been diagnosed with PTSD. I've told that story specifically to four individuals at this stage. That's it. And it's hard every time to say it. Um, exceptionally hard to say it. So to, to, for a child to even get the help that they need, they've got to share it that many times on average. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is utterly re-traumatizing in so many ways. Uh, I can know that on a, on a, you can know that on an intellectual level, but until you know it on a personal level, that that's so hard. It is, and so the CAC was founded so that our goal is for a child to have to tell their story once. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the way that our center works is when there is an allegation of child abuse, um, say it's a teacher, they tell the, you know, they tell their teacher, um, teachers are mandated reporters. Uh, we have a whole slew of people who are mandated reporters, teachers, doctors, um, law enforcement who are mandated, but you don't have to be a mandated reporter to report child abuse. Right. If you know what's going on, you see it, you report it. And so when um, an allegation of child abuse is made, the 
child abuse hotline is contacted, they reach out to whatever city, whatever town the abuse has allegedly taken place. So if it took place in Rogers, they might reach out to the Rogers Police Department. Um, then they, that Rogers Police Department would then contact the CAC and we would make an appointment for that child to come in to be seen and to be interviewed at the CAC. So all of those people that the child would have to tell previously, we invite all of those people to come to the CAC to hear that child's story once. One time. But, uh, you know, back to our, um, the process, um, like I said, we have, we have five major components at the CAC. Um, they come, it is a welcoming environment, trying to make it the least traumatic as we can. Mm. And when children come to the door, they are either brought to the CAC by a non-offending family member or caregiver, mm. or they may be brought by a law enforcement or DHS or um, a school counselor, but they mm. are brought to the CAC and they are welcomed by an advocate. And our advocates are phenomenal. Yeah. These advocates uh, go above and beyond. They will greet the child, do everything they can to make the child feel comfortable. You know, would you like a snack? What is it you want? They sit down and talk with the child and explain to them, this is what the process is going to look like. Mm-hmm. To, to alleviate as much fear as they can right. yeah, of yeah. what they're about to, to face. Yeah. And they also again, non-offending family members or caregivers, um, they will sit down with them. A lot of times if there's abuse going on, there's other things going on mm-hmm. within that family, whether it is, you know, uh, food insecurity, whether it is housing concern, um, no matter what it might be, that advocate is trained to come alongside that family and help support that family. Right. One story that, um, has always been meaningful to me is there was a family who was on vacation in Florida. And when they were returning from Florida, the uh, daughter um, revealed that she was being abused by the father. Mm -hmm. So the mom comes into the Children's Advocacy Center. We don't just see the child that the allegation uh, is being made from. We see the child and any siblings, any other children Mm -hmm. within that home. Um, so the family comes to the advocacy center. Uh, the we never allow um, a um, offender, an alleged offender, on our property in any way. So it is a safe place for these kids and families. Mm-hmm. So they come in, and she says, "I will never go back to my house. Mm-hmm. I, I will never step back through those doors." So our advocate got on the phone and worked and worked and found a place for them to go, mm-hmm. and found housing for them. So that is, our advocates go above and beyond. Another story I love about our advocates, during the pandemic, we had a family who came in and the mom was deaf. She read lips. Right. She couldn't go to the school to get her kids registered because she couldn't read lips. She couldn't go and read, right, yeah. She was stuck. Yeah. Didn't know what to do. So one of our advocates literally spent hours with her on the phone with the school system, getting her kids enrolled, explaining the process helping them through. And this isn't just the day they come in for a forensic interview. Right. No, this is continued care here. This is continued care. And there's never a penny ever charged for what we do at the CAC. Wow. Uh, We are, um, you know, 100% support that child without ever expecting or or asking or or taking a dime from any, any of the clients or the caregivers. And, and as you said earlier, you know, a lot of people assume that you get government funding 
but but really what wh- what is the bulk of your funding how is that how are you all enabled to 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 make that happen for free for all of these kids i mean a thousand a year i mean you know uh, it's that a takes lot. some serious funding it does and we um you know, like you said, people assume that we are government-funded heavily, that we're supported. We're 11% um, on average is our government funding. Um, we have a $1.6 million a year operating budget, mm-hmm. and that additional 89% is raised through events like this, yep. um, is raised through com- community donors, uh, personal donors, corporate sponsorships. We have uh, signature events that we do throughout the year. So truly, our community helps to support our organization. My kind of organization. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) So uh, sitting down here with Garrett Lewis today from First National Bank of Northwest Arkansas, though I think most of you might not know him from his role there at the bank. Uh, I, he tells me he's just started this a month ago. You'll probably know him more from his uh, his time on TV here in Northwest Arkansas as a local weatherman. Welcome, Garrett. How's it going, man? Doing great. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here. Quite the change from uh, TV into banking, but uh, a little bit slower paced and a little bit more uh, family friendly. So that was the, the main thing I was going for in switching careers. Nice. Very good. Well, I, I can attest to that. My dad was a banker for uh, most of my childhood. Not mm-hmm. all of it. We own... He owned a golf store for a little bit too, uh, but uh, yeah, it, it can be a very family friendly yeah. career. I can see that. Yeah. Never, never actually thought about that, but I can definitely <laughs> attest to it. Like, haven't grown up that way. Yeah, the TV <laughs> land is crazy. I, you know, I, for Halloween, for instance, was the first time I've ever gone trick or treating with my kids because Nielsen ratings start on the last Thursday of October. So typically for Halloween, I have to be on TV. So I haven't oh, haven't had trick or treating oh. my whole life. So it was a great treat. Um, I've had three Thanksgivings off in twenty years, so I'm looking forward to that later this month. Um, just little things that. Uh, probably don't seem like a whole lot to a lot of people, but things that when you're in TV, you just miss out on, which is kind of cumulative over time, especially when you have kids, it starts to weigh on you. Yeah. Um, what, what predicated this big, I mean, you, you said family friendly, everything else, but then you also said, well, my last ju- day on TV was back in July. Is that right? You, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It was the July 30th. So July 30th, you then, but you didn't August 1 start at FNB. What, what have you been doing? Yeah. <laughs> What's well, interesting. I knew that I wanted to transition out of television. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And, um, so we reached a decision about a year ago, about this time that uh, we were going to go ahead and make the move. And, uh, because of contractual obligations. I wasn't able to actually leave until the end of July. So I just decided to quit without a job, which may or may not have been the smartest decision ever. So (laughs) I really had no idea what I was going to do. I was actually thinking more towards project management. And uh, Rob Husong, the president of our bank, reached out to me. And uh, Rob's heart is just amazing. He's got a real passion for the community. And um, he's he's a servant leadership and uh, just connected with him right off the bat. And and then my next question was, well, you think I can do this? You know, he's like, well, you like the community, you like people. Um, Let's see if we can put you in a spot where um, we can get you in the community and we can also help you um, partner with businesses or nonprofits to um, advance their business, whether that's uh, economically or just in the community community to um, to grow their nonprofits, their business, um, just making the overall community a better place, probably serving the greater goods might be a better way to put it. Well, we're really excited to have you here. First National Bank, you've been with them a month. We've been with you guys for, I believe, at least three years now, uh, and so grateful for your continued support. Um, 
But so, something kind of unique happened in the last few weeks. Uh, we we were left scrambling to try and, and find a charity, uh, the one we had planned to go with. Some things fell through, and, uh, and you know sometimes that kind of thing happens, no big deal. Uh, and we all of a sudden landed on saying, you know, we, we need to reach out to the Children's Advocacy Center. Uh, we'd had many people recommend them before, uh, and it just it never was the right time. So we, we reached out. The very next day, I sit down at First National Bank, and y'all present this whole idea of the the tree of hope to me, uh, and how can we partner together on that? And it just all kind of fell together. So we're really glad to have you here. Tell us about the tree of hope and and why that's important for First National Bank. Yeah, over the last couple of years at FNB, what we've done is uh, Christmas cards for the Children's Advocacy Center and the Children's Safety Center here in Northwest Arkansas. We decided to change it up a little bit. In years past, the kids would draw something on a card, and uh, we would send that out. This year, we're doing the Tree of Hope, where you can um, sponsor an ornament as an individual, a family, or a corporation, and we'll put those on the trees. Then the week of Christmas, you're able to come by and pick those up and um, sponsoring the center in Benton County for um, our F&B here in the Bentonville area, and then the Children's Safety Center, that tree is going to be located in our Fayetteville branch. Uh, but the other nice thing, and, and this is just something I noticed both as a musician and a nonprofit leader, is you find FNB and WA everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. I, almost every event I go to, every concert I attend, just about anything that has something to do with the community, uh, lifting up good music, lifting up the community, lifting up our neighbors. FNB is there and involved, and that speaks volumes to me as a bank. Uh, again, I, I grew up in a, in a bank household, mm-hmm. and not all banks are like that. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and community banking—it's really a different world. And before I even got it involved in banking, I really didn't know the difference. I thought a bank's a bank, right? Well, community banking's a little bit more. Um, obviously focused on the community, but the amount of deposits is a lot less than a, a big national bank that you would have, a, you know, Bank yeah. of America, something like Wells Fargo. So community banks just give us that, that ability to be in the community. And I grew up uh, around the Fort Smith area. Uh, First National Bank here in Northwest Arkansas is a division of F&B in Fort Smith. And so, right, um, right, right. I'm very familiar with F&B in Fort Smith and some of the things they've done for the Children's uh, Safety Center down there. It's actually called Hamilton House in that area. So um, it was just a natural fit for me for um, what F&B does in the Fort Smith area and in Northwest Arkansas. They're just as involved in the community. So I kind of knew what the model was going to be like here uh, just from my experience in the Fort Smith area. But it is. It's a, it's a community-type bank. Um, yeah, we're we're a part of the community. We have a business to run, obviously, but it doesn't work unless the community works and unless people work together. And I think that's a vision that's really, um, really solidified within our uh, F&B family and within the community too. That's very cool. Uh, also, though, this month, you know, we, we've already talked about a little bit about the charity, and you've been hearing mm-hmm. from the charity earlier in the, in the show, uh, but, but you have a unique relationship with CAC. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about, I mean, you, you've served on the board both uh, statewide and locally, so tell us about mm-hmm. what the Children Advocacy Center uh, means to you, why... Uh, that's obviously been a passion yeah. of yours for for many years. Well, I'll preface this by saying some of the, some of the content too. When you talk about children's advocacy centers, might be triggering for some people. So, um, if you have a history of child abuse, it might be um, just be aware that that's what we're talking about. So, even in my own life. Um, I was sexually abused by a neighbor when I was five, and I wasn't able to get the help that I needed until I was a little bit older in life. I didn't disclose to my mom until I was in 
second grade and uh, things look different in the 80s. You didn't get the psychological services, the medical services. Um, it was just a different world. And um, the thing that appeals to me most about the Children's Safety Center, the Advocacy Center, uh, and really the whole model of what CACs do is working together within a multidisciplinary unit to provide the services to the child. These are kids in our area, in our community. It's, it sucks that they exist in the first place, whether it's physical abuse or sexual abuse or even maltreatment. But these are facilities that are looking out for our children and really looking out for the best interests of our children. And uh, that was something I didn't have growing up. I wish I would have had. I didn't have um, much uh, mental health. I think my mom had me in um, a psycho, uh, maybe a psychologist's office for maybe a month or so. Um, now as an adult, I'm there all the time. I've got a punch card, right? <laughs> Especially once you, get, once you get older in life. Like, wow, i got a lot of problems. I was going to say, my, mine's scheduled for tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah <so> like, <laughs> but, um, you know, things like that. Uh, and just making sense out of trauma and trying to process trauma. And, you know, in, in my case, the offender was a neighbor and we'd moved out of state. So it wasn't a situation uh, within the family. But there are a lot of situations within the family um, where this happens and they need a child advocate to step in. So there are ch child advocates that work at each center. Um, there's a prosecutor that's at the center as well. There's uh, state police. There's a forensic um, a sexual assault, assault nurse examiner. I think they call her SANE nurse. Um, they're on staff as well. So they're highly trained and qualified and specialized to deal with childhood trauma and really looking out for the best interest of the child. And uh, that's kind of where my heart is with um, with CACs. Uh, I just, just from personal experience, it just wasn't, my childhood sucked. It wasn't really that good, you know, growing up. Um, you, you get out of um, a really bad situation after we moved, and uh, I wasn't the the thinnest kid. I was a really heavy set kid, and uh, one of the kids that got bullied, very introverted, which is kind of odd now because of two decades in TV. I'm a little more extroverted, you know. <laughs> Definitely, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was a lot harder for me then than I think a lot of kids have it now. And the only reason the kids are having a better experience now is because of the investment of our community in the children's advocacy centers and safety centers. They're investing directly in the lives of the children and the you know the economic cost of child abuse, uh, just from alcohol addiction, um, to failed marriages, to, to jobs. There's so many things that, that just, um, that stem from traumatic childhood experiences that haven't been processed or, um, haven't really been addressed. And the children's the children's centers in Arkansas, one of the things that they do really good is get ahead of that curve to provide those services to the children. So the children can go on, not only heal, but also live fulfilling lives. Wow. Um, man, I, <laughs> there's nothing else to say, uh, that, that mm -hmm. I think that covers it all. And, um, I just thank you so much for, for, I, I had no idea when I asked that question that you were going to come back with that response. And I just thank you so much, uh, for sharing that and knowing where that passion comes from. Uh, Garrett, thanks so much for your time, for your story. Thank um, you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, for all of you that are headed out, I'm looking forward to meeting you at these events. We'll see you there. So the child is met with the advocate, and then that advocate explains to the child, um, you're going to go back with my friend who uh, is going to ask you questions and just talk with you. Um, and then that forensic interviewer will come in and meet the child. The forensic interviewers are trained to be a neutral, fact-finding, uh, non... Uh, trying to think of the word, non... Um, 
emotional or and not emotional, just very neutral, yeah, very neutral, um, right, you know, yeah. non-leading. Uh, ah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, you don't want to lead it, yeah, because exactly. our memories are fickle as it is. So. Exactly. And so they are trained to, to go in with that child. The child goes in by themselves mm-hmm. into a room with one person who is our forensic interviewer, who are trained in what's called child first, um, who know how to ask those questions so that they are least traumatizing to the child and so that they are admissible in court. Mm-hmm. So they sit down and they will start a conversation with the child. It's a... It's a an amazing process to watch how they develop the relationship with the child. An interview could take five minutes. An interview could take eight hours. It's whatever the child needs to talk about. Um, They're never forced to share anything. Um, It is totally giving them a safe place to share what has gone on in their life. So what's really cool is you have the forensic interviewing room that's taking place that is, um, you know, the forensic interviewer and the child, it is on closed circuit t- uh, recording and it is, the child is told this is being recorded because we have some other people who need to know your story and, you know, I don't want you to have to tell them again. So all those people, the 15 on average interviews that this child would have to have, those people are right next door in an observation room. And those are our uh, multidisciplinary team. Uh, We work very closely, we call them MDT, and we work very closely with them. That will be your police, your um, CPS, Child Protective Services, your DHS, Department of uh, Human Services, your prosecuting office, uh, your investigators. We work with the FBI. We work with whoever we need to on that child's case. And all those people are invited to come in and watch that interview live so that it happens one time. And then it is recorded if they need it for future reference for court. So that is our, our model to, to minimize that trauma to the child. Oh. And so once the forensic interview is complete, they will go back and visit with the counselor. I think, you know, I say this is my favorite part. Um, Everything we do is so impactful that it all is important. But we offer, we have, of course, day of if there is any type of an emergency emergency need, uh, but we offer, offer mental health counseling services to children who are seen in the CAC, the child, siblings, um, the caregiver, non-offending caregiver. I know if something happened to my child, I'm going to need help. And, and so, that, yeah. exactly. Big and time. Yeah. so we walk through that journey with them and they have counseling offered to them for life for no charge. So we had some people in the pandemic, um, had a phone wow. call one day where, um, this was a young lady who, um, was a, a young child was not ready at the time to discuss and really deal with what happened to her. The pandemic brought out a lot of different issues within her, and she recognized that. She was 22 years old, and so it had been 15 years, and she called us and said, I need help, and we saw her for counseling services, Mm -hmm. and there's never a charge. So that is a lifelong service to our clients. That's so huge, um, because I... You know, in in my own journey with with mental health uh, concerns, uh, the financial barrier was huge uh, and was a real uh, excuse at the very least for for not getting that help. Um, And I, you know, we would love to expand that for for other members of our family for 
just I think everybody has uh, could benefit from therapy, right? You know, we could all really gain something from that uh, self knowledge and and exploration. Uh, but you know, the financial barrier keeps us from from expanding it further. Uh, exactly. So that's huge. That's amazing. Yeah. It's huge. And then you know, we all we all process things as we're going through different life stages. Yeah, exactly. So to have to have the availability for them to come back whenever they're facing different life stages is incredible. So I, I love that part of, I love every part of our model. No, but that is a really, uh, that's a really beautiful part. I got a, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. Yes. yes. <laughs> big, big supporter now. You, you're, <laughs> I love all the charities we get to work with, but I am very much falling in love with what y'all do. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's keep going. Keep going. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, one thing, a step, not that I miss, but another step that's really important is we have a full uh, medical component. Um, we have nurses who we say are insane to be able to do what they do, but they're called sane nurses. They're sexual assault nurse examiners. And they come in to our facility. We have a, a full medical room set up. They can do all testing, evidence, uh, finding, um, support that child um, through the medical process. And, you know, say you have an eight-year-old little girl to go sit at the ER, have to wait, then it'd be scary and cold and see different people and, you know, maybe different people have to examine, you know, whatever goes on at the hospital. As an adult, that's scary for me. Yes. But as this child, they can go in the medical room, have someone walk in with them, um, you know, if it's the mom or, or aunt or whoever that caregiver is, sit there, be with them, these nurses I couldn't say enough about these nurses. They are mm. phenomenal. Mm. They are able to examine the child. Um, I love one of our nurses particularly says, you know, when something happens to us internally, we think that it is evident externally to everyone. Oh, right. And so she loves to be able to look at the child and say, you're okay. You're going to be okay. Yeah. And just to give that comfort. One of the really cool things that I love at the CAC is when, well, every child who comes in receives this, but children uh, who receive medicals, um, they receive a quilt or a blanket provided through our community. We have uh, lots of p wonderful people who make blankets and quilts for us, and they receive a quilt. And we've heard stories of adult women who still have their quilts oh, wow. from that yeah, day. Yeah. So again, just just create an environment created to bring less trauma through that experience yep. to the child. Yep. And then we have our other component, which is phenomenal, is our education component. And uh, I made sure I wrote this down um, because we want to make the community aware of what we do, that we are here. And again, that Bentonville bubble, people think it doesn't happen here. Right, yeah. And it does. Yep. And I am still amazed. Um, every single day, I will talk to someone who'll say, you know, I've never heard of the CAC. What do you do? I think I know what you do, but they still don't know. And you think we've been here for almost 22 years. We still need to get the education out there about we're here. Also educate, go into the schools and educate the children about body safety. Yeah. What's okay? where to report, educate the teachers, help them in knowing these are signs to look for. This is what you do. And so I wrote this down um, because so far this year, we've done 71 trainings, which has reached 3,137 people in our wow, community. Wow, that's wonderful. Which is 
great. And then yeah. um, 38% of those trainings have been um, our mandated reporting trainings, which are right. recognize, respond, and report. So it's equipping our community yeah. to notice it and to know what to do when, it, when they right. see it. Right, not, not just to see it, but to be able to do something mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the important part. How do I sign up for a, for a training? We How do will, we do that? <laughs> we offer those trainings um, at schools. We offer them at churches. Um, we offer, well, really anywhere that, that wants to do a training, we will do a training. We also, on our on our website and our Facebook page and social media, Instagram, all the things, we're constantly putting up opportunities for trainings. That's good to know. All right. Well, I'll be watching that space, and I might even talk to the folks here. Uh, we're, we're sitting here at First United Methodist Church, and, uh, you know, I, I, I know some of the folks here. I think we... I think that would be a good thing for us to be on the watch for, for sure. And I wish I knew this statistic off the top of my head, and I don't, so I'm not going to say it because uh, it would be wrong. Very sadly, the statistic of child abuse, sexual abuse taking place in church environments mm-hmm. is staggering. That's v- definitively true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and the the instances to me that are even more staggering, though, is the amount of people that Get away with it, mm-hmm. um, and the way that uh, institutions like uh, churches uh, do the, the links that they'll go to protect the mm-hmm. abuser and not the abused. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes completely counter to what Christianity is supposed to be about, mm-hmm. uh, hands down, and uh, what any faith community is to be about. Um, yeah, it's. Those those things are just utterly uh, insane for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what what are some other things? You know, what what are some ways that people can get involved with CAC here in Benton County, or if it's not in Benton County, this is part of a much larger network mm-hmm. in the state. Is that part of a larger network across the nation as well, or is CAC specific to Arkansas? It is across the nation. There are children's advocacy centers all across the nation. Um, they are called different things, but if right. you look up you know, a children's advocacy center in your area, you will find something. It may just be called a little bit different. Yeah, the There's, name might be slight. Well, just like with, with Washington County, it's Children's Safety Center. With, mm-hmm. with Benton County, it's Children's Advocacy Center. Part of the same network, doing mostly the same work, uh, but um, specific to their county or their region. Or exactly, right. exactly. And, I, and I'll tell you, we just expanded. We say the one good thing that came from 2020 is uh, we were able to open a satellite location in western Benton County. Oh, yeah. Because uh, Benton County is so so large. It is. Um, and we were seeing that it not only was difficult for, you know, say in Salem Springs for officers to get children to our center and then, you know, back to school if they're, you know, having to bring them from school. You know, with the interview, that could be an all-day process. Right. But it was also very difficult for those parents to to continue to have counseling service for their children. That's mm-hmm. a lot of gas. That's a lot of time driving all the way over. And we were we were seeing a trend that we really weren't serving Western Benton County very well, mm-hmm. and to, to to our best ability. So we opened a satellite center in Western Benton County, and it is the Children's Advocacy Center of Western Benton County. Nice. Yeah. And so we have a presence over there. We're in Gentry, and it's just been phenomenal. To so y'all, you have two locations: Gentry, Gentry, and 
Salem Springs, you said? Little Flock. Little Flock. I'm sorry. Little Flock, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Okay. Gentry oh, yeah, yeah, serves the like, western Benton like, County. Salem Springs kind of western? Okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, and as far as how to get involved with the CAC, there's there's multiple ways. Um, you know, we've discussed financially. There's always a need financially. Um, Third-party events like what we're doing here mm. is great. Um, we love that. That's a huge support. Um, our events, we have three signature events every year. We have our Cherishing Children Dinner, um, which is typically in September. We have our Sweetest Day event, which is we just finished up. That's typically in October. Mm -hmm. And then we have a Glow Run, a 5K, and kind of a fun run for kids and an event uh, in April. And then, so, you know, getting involved with those, all of that information is on our website. Uh, it's um, cacbentonco.com. And I need to check that. Um, no, I, I was looking at it earlier. It is cacbentonco.com. Yes. yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. you say something and you yeah. go, is that correct? Yeah. Um, and so you can, you know, get involved with our events, sponsor our events. We have lots of great benefits for our sponsors and really try to, to help uh, call out our sponsors who are helping us. And so there's tons of opportunity with our events. Um, we also have a need for... Um, items, donations at the CAC. Oh, okay. Um, we do offer snacks and a, a juice box or, or juice bag to right, every yeah. child who Some comes in. Some kind of refreshment if they're going to be there, especially interviews. That's going to take hours, a lot of them. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So we have a need for that. We send every child home with a bag. Mm. Um, like I said, they'll, you know, they'll receive a blanket. But, you know, we try to find a toy that we have a donation closet, a toy to send that child home with. If they need clothing, if they need toiletries. It was amazing during the pandemic. I mean, they finding toilet paper to, you know, give to, <laughs> to families yeah. was a big deal. Um, cleaning yeah. supplies, yeah. school supplies. We do a big school supply uh, drive in um, July and August every year. Um, things just to help these families out. Um, we do ask that all of our donations um, be new with tags, uh, and there's some very big reasons for that. There are some of our kids who will be seen in our center that one of their favorite shirts might have to be taken for evidence. And we want to be able oh, to man. replace yeah. that shirt with something that's going to be special for that child. Right. Yeah. Um, and so also um, we have kids who, who've never had a, an outfit that's new with tags on it or a toy yeah. that's new in the box. So these kids are already traumatized enough. We want to make them feel special and important. Yeah. So, you know, that's a need. So goods, you know, money, goods. And then we try to be as um, honorable with our finances as we possibly can and every penny go to the child. So we really run a lot on volunteers. Uh, mm. We have volunteer groups that come out and rake leaves this time of year. Mm. Um, we have volunteers, we have a volunteer that comes and mows our center. Um, when we have painting that needs to be done, they'll come do it. We're fixing to start having to uh, clean pinwheels for our pinwheel rally. I'll tell you about that in a minute. They were in the clean ground. Pinwheels. Clean pinwheels. Clean pinwheels. Clean pinwheels. They I want to come be, see that, I think. Yes, yes. And we I don't want to do it, but I'll... Yes. Uh, we put out uh, 20, 25,000 plus pinwheels last year, and I'll just hit on that for a minute. Uh, April is National Child Abuse Awareness Month. And okay. so if you're ever driving through Northwest Arkansas, 
in April, you are going to see thousands of pinwheels. Yeah. Um, each one of those pinwheels represents a child that we have seen who's been a victim of child abuse. Mm. So we have businesses who sponsor um, you know, having these pinwheels out. We offered something last year, which is really cool, which is a residential pinwheel sponsorship. So people mm. can sponsor and have yard, them in their front yard business, yeah. mm-hmm, mm. with a sign. And that's awareness. That's also, you know, these these kids, if they're, you know, and their family is driving down the road and they see those, they go, we're not alone. And so we put out all these pinwheels. We, again, being um, as careful to make sure every penny that we receive goes to the children, we will reuse those pinwheels year after year. And so you pull them up from the ground, they're dirty. You don't want to, you know... Yeah. have caked on mud year after year. So we have pinwheels we that clean get, yeah. we clean them up, we bag them up and have them ready for, for the next April. So that's, that's cool. Uh, it makes sense. And so we, we are always in need of volunteers. Yeah. Um, that's a huge need at our center. And so really, if you want to get involved, um, you can call the CAC, you know, reach out to, to a member of the CAC. We can always find Find ways to get involved. There's always needs. Mm. One really, really cool thing that's fixing to happen, again, one of my favorite times of the year, is every child who has been seen at the CAC CAC the previous year, so our kids that have been seen in 2021, we... we try to provide Christmas for those children oh, and their wow. siblings. Yeah. So, I mean, last year I think we had a family of 11 children, I believe, and we provided Christmas for all 11 children. Wow. That is done through sponsors in our community, right. uh, business sponsors, individual sponsors. Uh, is that can, partly what uh, the Tree of Hope is going to support this year yes, through it First is. National Bank? Okay. Yes, yes. So that's good to know, yeah. So so that those, those ornaments, if you want to sponsor those, you can do that at one of our events. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but those ornaments are going to support uh, giving these kids who've been going through so much an awesome Christmas. That's a great mm-hmm. deal. And it's one one thing we can relieve. We can relieve that stress from the parents when they're already dealing with enough. We can relieve that stress. And my favorite thing, and I might get emotional here, is um, when those parents come to pick up those gifts and they're in big bags, they're wrapped, um, you know, they're from Santa, so the children are not there typically with them when they're picking them up. And to be able to give the family those gifts and... Um, see the relief on their face Mm. and it's just pure joy Mm. one thing that i'm always interested in and and this is i guess probably just my community mindset as well uh and and the fact that we work with lots of different charities each year uh is what kind of interconnectivity do you have with other charities i mean we we have you know in northwest arkansas we have more charities per capita than any other place on earth they call us the most generous community in the world Mm Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I can see that in so, so many ways. Um, but because of that as well, like there's gotta be a lot of crossover between, mm-hmm. uh, much of the work that we're doing. Um, and, you know, so are, are there groups that, that you in particularly relate to or work with oh, to absolutely. support your work or to support theirs, you know, vi- and vice versa? All, absolutely. All the there's a lot of connectivity between the charities. Um, we, you know, in particular, um, like I had mentioned, Restoration Village. If we have right. a family who comes in um, and they need immediate housing and they have an opening, then I mean that's literally right next door to us. And so, we're oh wow, able to you're, work. I mean, like that close, yeah. We're that so you're, close. yeah, very connected in that and way. And so, right. um, I know that you know if they have donations that 
they can't use, they will call us and say, hey, can can you use this? Um, mm. We work very closely with uh, the children's shelter. Mm. Um, it is not our decision if a child is removed from their home. That is right. DHS, CPS, they work on those things. But if a child does need to be removed for their home, we work very closely. Our advocates work to make sure that child has got a place, mm-hmm. where they're going to go. Um, if there's not an availability at the at Restoration Village or at the shelter, um, you know, working with other organizations, reaching out to them and saying, I know Havenwood, we've worked with them, mm-hmm. um, you know, to just to do what's in the best interest of the family. The food bank. We don't have a a food shelter or food pantry, but um, we have resources listed out throughout the community of where they can go to get help with different things. Right, right, yeah. So lots of different interconnectivity. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, The Children's Shelter has been a a, a staple charity for us each and every year for quite some time, so love to love that y'all work connectedly with with them. uh, uh, What they do as well is right in line with what y'all do and uh, just different sides of the coin, I guess. It, so, it is. And yeah. there's no, there's not a competitive, a competitiveness between the different organizations. We're all working together for the same cause, yeah. whether it be for the child, for the parent, for the family, you know, for housing, for utilities, whatever it might be. We're all working together for the, on the same mission. Yeah. 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 To support our community members. That's what that's what we need. We need that, and we need those to come together even more. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. I can't think of. Yeah. I don't have any more questions. Um, if I could remember what all I had said, then I might be able I know, to add I know. to it. But I don't have a clue. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so so much for joining us today for for being a part of the podcast. Um, I said it earlier, I'll say it again, y'all are doing the hard work. Um, I get the fun job of, of talking to you. I get the fun job of playing music and, and raising money and awareness. Um, but y'all are doing the work that is, is making the difference. Y'all are doing the work that is changing children's lives. Uh, you're leading out with, with uh, trauma-forward therapies uh, and responses and, uh, and enabling these kids to find their voices uh, I can't thank you enough personally, uh, and I know that that stretches well beyond just me and beer and hymns and laugh at the darkness, but it, it goes well into so many facets of our community. Uh, thank you all for what you're doing. You're saving lives, and, uh, and we really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. We, we could not do what we do every day at the Children's Advocacy Center without the support of people like you and people, you know, organizations like Beer and Hymns. Cheers. Yep, cheers. Laugh of the Darkness is produced by BeerandHymns.com. Our podcast theme music is composed by folk singer-songwriter and artist Kevin McCrell. You can check out more from him at KevinMcCrell.com. Special thanks to Gloria Echevarria for all her behind-the-scenes work, from editing together this podcast and managing our social media. I couldn't do it without you. To Matt Nelson, our brilliant band leader, you make me look good and sound a lot better than I really am. Thanks to Holly Clark with the Children's Advocacy Center and Garrett Lewis with First National Bank of Northwest Arkansas for joining us on the podcast this week. And more importantly, thanks to all the work you do on behalf of kids in our community. And to all of our sponsors, Dr. Donna Johnson and Neil Pumford, the Austin family, to Bike Rack Brewing Company, the CFO Network, Kind Creative Company, First National Bank of Northwest Arkansas, the Neighborhood Church, 
from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, all our listeners, for checking out Laugh at the Darkness. Do us a favor, like, subscribe, and follow the podcast wherever you listen. Leave us a review and share it with your friends. My name is Ken Weatherford. We'll be back next month with more stories to Laugh at the Darkness.